All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It'll be somewhat of a Padres-themed episode, breaking down what just happened in the wildcard series between the Mets and the Padres, as well as an NLDS preview as we have Javier Reyes from the Locked On Padres with us today. So let's hit the intro music, Jack, and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the LV podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Jack as always. And today, as we just mentioned, we're joined by Javier Reyes of the Locked On Padres podcast. Jack, I know I'm sort of still within withdrawals. It's been less than 24 hours since the Mets were eliminated. We're going to also see the opposite end of the emotional spectrum today. But Javier, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, but you didn't warn me that you had a bop. For an intro, man. Oh my gosh. I was taken off guard. That was phenomenal. I mean it's it's brightened my day. I mean, I'm already doing pretty okay as a Padres lad, but oh my gosh, just kudos to you guys. I didn't have a chance to listen to what I was getting myself into, but I'm actually glad because I appreciate the surprise there. Uh but yeah, man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having oh, me man. on. Well, as Mets fans, we have to love our intro music with Edwin Diaz, even though we saw yes. what happened in game three down four nothing with him trotting in and not as excited as normal, but sort of take us through the Padres angle of this wild card series. I don't know if it was a full underdog sort of, I know the Mets were a hundred win team, but the Padres are still a really stacked team with three good starting pitchers, but sort of the mentality going into it. And then obviously coming out, taking two or three. I think it's really hard to call in the wild card rounds, anyone an underdog. It's just, and maybe this is just semantics, but I don't know. I just think that it's as you've seen in this series and as you saw in all the wildcard series this weekend that I think it's only the Guardians in terms of the favored or the home team that ended up advancing. Right. So there's a bunch of upsets and quotes, but they feel like upsets in the sense of like March Madness upsets, which with the exception of like the one seed or the two seed losing in the first round. I don't consider anything that happens in March Madness a true like upset. Like, oh, can you believe it? Yeah, it's freaking college kids who can't even drink a beer yet that happen to have like one off game. You know what I mean? So that never surprises me. But in terms of just the Padres perspective overall, you head into this series saying, you know, like the Mets, there's a lot on the line, I think. And one of the things I've talked about in my show is that I have a lot of love for the Mets because I think they're a lot of fun as a team. I love Francisco Lindor. He's my favorite non-Padre, has been for a very long time. And then just these are two teams that have invested heavily in their team, obviously from a monetary value with the Mets and Mr. Steve, Big Daddy Cohen. Um, He spends a lot of money on the team. He goes out and gets Scherzer. He just tweets about it. He's just like, all right, was that good? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's incredible how little you have to do as an owner to, like, just drive up the fan base. And he has done that. And I think he deserves a lot of kudos. And same thing for the Padres, except instead of Cohen, it's the warlock, the the master of disaster, just the, the guy that I keep begging to murder me in increasingly violent ways, A.J. Preller, who's been obviously known for being this trade just maestro, right? Like he does it every five seconds. They're making moves. So both teams heading into us had a very all in approach. Pirates ended up coming obviously on the victory side of that, but yeah, man, it was kind of like, you don't want to think about what it looks like if you just traded all of these assets, all of these players for Juan Soto and you had Fernando Tatis Jr. Suspended. 
there's a really big downside, even if it wouldn't have been their fault. You know what I mean? Like the Mets are a very, very, very good team. So it wouldn't have been their fault, but it still would leave a rotten taste in your mouth. Uh, but thankfully, um, I'm, I'm just as clean as can be, man. What can I say? <laughs> you come off definitely a very impressive showing against um, Max Scherzer. I think that's no one expected him to blow up like that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, certainly there are some concerns if it was he pitching 100% healthy. But regardless, I think to see the Padres touch him four times, very impressive. You're going against a ver- ball not also fully healthy, a very stacked Dodger rotation. How do you think your Padres line up against them? You know, you are without Tatis, arguably your best, arguably your best hitter, which is mm-hmm. pretty unfathomable to think of how good he is that he <laughs> might not even be the best guy on his own team. Yeah. But you have a very stacked lineup. How do you think you fare against these Dodgers pitchers you've seen all year? Look, man, it's a great point. And just to circle back on the Scherzer thing, it's so funny how often we talk about name value, right? And how, well, this is this guy. It's Jacob deGrom. And that's one of the things that was heading in the Mets' favor, right? In a, in a good way. And you saw this year say you Darvish, right? To talk about the Padres um, rotation. He struggled last year really big, but a big reason for people expecting a bounce back, aside from all that nerdy, you know, X URA nonsense or whatnot, was just, well, it's you Darvish. He's been a dominant pitcher for a long time. So people have this, this trust. And then you saw the opposite of that, where Max Scherzer's name value unfortunately didn't show up this time. And maybe that's just because he's getting older. He's still a hall of famer. This doesn't change anything. He's still someone I fear. I did not think the Padres would at at the minimum hit him for home runs. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't what I would expect for them. It's actually from Josh Bell and Profar and Trent Grisham, but it just goes to show you that the name value thing, it's sometimes it's true. And sometimes it's not. And for the Dodgers, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. They, the Padres, Without cursing or anything, they can't play the the Dodgers to save their lives. And this has been the case since the second half of last year. Um, In fairness, the second half of last year, they could have played against any team. But especially the Dodgers, they just own them, right? And without Tatis, granted it's one player, and baseball one player doesn't swing things nearly as much as they do in the other sports. But it's still – this is a crazy team. It's a crazy team, and it's more about the Padres lineup. Is Grisham really going to be this year's Jorge Soler, right? Like, that's where we're at. And if that is the case, then maybe the Padres have a chance, right? And I'm very excited for it, but I will say that unlike a little bit more of the – what I talked about with upsets and whatnot before, that DS division series with more games feels like there's a little bit less – um, room for the just crazy upset per case because I feel like this plays out more like regular baseball plays, right? And you've got Arias over there. You've got who the heck do they have? I don't remember the Gonsolin and all these dudes. I think that what the Padres have going for them, I just spent a lot of talking time talking about name value, is if like many young pitchers, right, breakout young pitchers, and it's not an indictment on them if they struggle, but their first postseason appearance. I still remember Luis Severino was like a Cy Young candidate for the Yankees. Shout out to my my guy Jack here. And his first appearance in the playoffs, he just got totally lit up. Is that an indictment of him as a pitcher? No, it's too small of a sample size. Do not buy the sample sizes for the next season. Go ask the Red Sox about uh, Pablo Sandoval if you want to know about that, right? So that's the big thing. Is Gonsolin going to be one of those dudes who, yep, he's just going to translate? Is Dustin May or whoever they have on that roster, are those guys going to come in and be those dudes who, oh, the pressure got a little bit to them. Or it's just like, nope, yeah, they're still good and they're going to be good for years to come. So that's what it's really going to come down to. And hopefully some X factors can pop up because, you know, the Dodgers have the Justice League in their lineup. So it's going to be really tough for the Padres to beat them. And not going to lie, 
Mets might be a better matchup for them on paper. Uh, I think that that's the big takeaway also for this series is that while the Padres were better and they won, Mets might have been a better, a better, um, a better showing against the Dodgers. It wouldn't surprise me if at the end of this week, it's a, a, a total massacre by the Dodgers <laughs> and we're all like, oh man, it would have been good to have the Mets for sake of just having a good series. <laughs> And I think it's also when you think about the, the all the Padres players sort of played up to their highest potential in this wildcard series, as opposed to the Mets where everyone played down. The offense was struggling. All three Padres pitchers, maybe I guess Blake Snell struggled the most of the three, but Darvish and obviously Joe Musgrove dominated in both of their performances. The one name you did mention that's going to haunt me now for the next year, Trent Grisham came to play this weekend. <laughs> Did yeah. anybody see this coming? Because I think he was hitting like 180 the entire season yeah. and all of a sudden he <laughs> went off for three days. Yeah, it's he is the he is the yet again another example of why things just reset in the playoffs, man. <laughs> like I said with Solaire, I mean it's just it's great. He's always been a fast player, he's always had mm. talent, and he's had a good season and stretch before, but essentially since the second half of last year. Want to go by ex-Woba. Basically, him and Bellinger are the worst. Shout out to the Dodgers. They, they, he's been terrible, right? And yes, he hits for a little bit of pop, but I'm one of those people, and I still stand by it. I'm not going to let one series sway me that I really didn't understand why the Padres did not give their other center fielder, Jose Ozokar, more time in the outfield. Because while people will bring up the defense, and yes, Grisham is gifted in that area. Want to go by outs above average. He has around nine for the regular season. He was great. But Ozokar is almost like an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. Is he that much worse defensively? I think almost definitively no. Is he going to be as good defensively? I don't know. But is it that much of a difference to offset Grisham's poor bat, right? That he's so good defensively that we'll have him hit a buck 80 and we'll let this other guy who's at least going to get you a good batting average on base set, um, even if not as much power. That really annoyed me with the Padres this year. But clearly, I don't know Jack. Jack, so you know, <laughs> look, look where we are right now, right? He hits two home runs in the series. He got a bunch of hits and robs what might have been like a double, triple, maybe like with that speed. So again, it's it's great to see. I hope that maybe next year he turns things around. Um, but even if he doesn't, doesn't, and he just goes nuts for the rest of his postseason, he's just paint the mural now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it was it was it was a great thing to see, obviously for the Padres, and that's what the postseason gives us every single year: is some random dude that no one's been talking about. Even maybe an Oscar Gonzalez out of Cleveland, right? Because he walked it off for them, right? There's always a random, and that's what's so fun about all this. And now you know you had, as Dylan mentioned, two outstanding pitching performances from your ACU Darvish and Joe Musgrove, who I think has been one of the most undervalued pitchers in all of baseball. You go into the series now; it looks like. Mike Clevenger is going to be starting game one tomorrow. How do you think the rest of the, the rotation fair, uh, fares up? Because you have, you know, back-to-back games, Tuesday, Wednesday, off day, Thursday, and then game three, Friday, and potential game four or five would be Saturday, Sunday. How do you think they line it up in terms of Penn and uh, settling in those guys who just who just pitched against the Nets? Yeah, man, great question. I mean, the Clevenger, there is absolutely a possibility that he gets killed. This guy, <laughs> among with when it comes to walk and strikeout rates – among some of the worst, basically, in baseball past couple months. And granted, I know he's coming off an injury, so I don't want to act like 
this is some unbelievable disaster. It's like, well, he had his big Tommy John, his second major injury. I was hoping he would come back and at least be effective, but he hasn't really managed to do that. He's lucky that Shad Manai is on this roster. <laughs> Everybody's kind of been distracted by how bad he'd been for the Padres. But with Clevenger, I am worried about the fact that the strikeout stuff is not there. He's not able to lower his, lower his walk rate all that much. And against this Dodgers lineup, you can't really have that. Now, granted, who knows? Uh, like, literally, who knows? Uh, he could go out tomorrow and look like 2019 Clevenger, right? Like, you could absolutely do that. Or even 2020 before he got hurt Clevenger. But that's going to be a big issue. But for me, my biggest thing, as someone who doesn't want to just bring up numbers for the rest of this recording, I, um, I really think you Darvish is on a mission. I think that against the Dodgers, which is a team that has booed him before upon his return there because of his very infamous and actual collapse uh, performance by him in the World Series with the um, when they were playing against the Astros. Obviously, that's viewed a little bit differently now. But, you know, if you read some pieces, um, you know, with interviews with him and the athletic uh, Annie McCullough did a great interview with him or not with him, but like to people around him. That was basically like that World Series blow up really got to him. And it's something that's really kind of been driving him. So I think that he's going to go out there and really want to shove it to the Dodgers, not necessarily because they hate him, but just to remind everybody that, look, man, is the Astros cheated? That's the only reason I got got, right? So that's what happened. So I think that he's the big one to watch out for. You might get like a unbelievable pitching duel in that game that you Darvish. I'm not saying the Padres will win, but that's the one to look out for. Because I really do think um, that this is something that's been guiding him. He does not like that he essentially was the reason they lost. He was, not to be mean, their Scherzer, right? And that's kind of what happened. So hopefully in this series against the Dodgers, uh, he could just go out there and ball. Because Yu Darvish is one of the most exciting, like fun pitchers to root for. With all the pitches that he has, he probably is going to make up a new pitch by the time this episode comes out, right? Like, he'll come up with something. We'll call it the the trident spear, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> He'll make up some new pitch, right? So uh, Darvish pulling for him. And then with Snell and Musgrove, you saw what Musgrove was capable of. Not going to dwell on that too much. He's been on fire after a little bit of a rough stretch uh, after his contract, but he's back. He was just having a little predictable regression, I think is, you know, he's not a top five guy uh, in the league, but he's very good. So he's back. Blake Snell's interesting because Blake Snell, another one who might be on a mission to be like, look, I performed poorly against this Mets team. They knew how to take pitches. They made him work and he walked like six batters. So, but remember last time Blake Snell pitched in the playoffs, man, uh, we had a little, ourselves a little controversy. I don't know if you guys remember that when he famously got pulled. I want to see what, what happens because if he's doing well against the Dodgers again, I have a feeling that Bob Melvin's going to be like, screw the nerds. I don't care what Princeton <laughs> hoodie you're wearing. All right. You put it away. I don't give a damn. We're keeping him in if he's dealing. And I think he's also on a mission as well. So narrative stuff is in the Padres favor, but also, uh, oh my God, Trey Turner, Bookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> like, jeez, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so stupid. <laughs> well, I know one thing that could help the Padres, and this could get a little fun. Joe Musgrove going a little bit like this, little uh-huh. shiny ears. Do you think he was cheating? Do you think there was anything off? I'm not even going to let you finish your question. Uh, Here's the thing. I think that I I like Buck Showalter. I really do. And I've already said that I like this Mets team. And I understand why he did what he did. Um, But to take Mr. SNY, Gary Cohen, 
mm-hmm. who also went against the Mets and basically said, I didn't think that was right. My biggest issue, talked about this on my show, was I think that in a sport of baseball, especially, which is often at the center of cheating controversies, I know it's gamesmanship. I get it. I don't hate the guy, but it's really an unfortunate thing to essentially make it look like Joe Musgrove is cheating. When Buck Walter himself probably knew he wasn't cheating. People have said the red hot Andrew McCutcheon tweeted about it. If that's true. And that's what he did. First of all, you're a madman. If your thing is like, <laughs> I just want to feel pain and that helps me <laughs> like focus, but Hey, to each their own, it certainly worked, but you have that. The Vaseline is another thing that people have been pointing out, which from what I understand kind of just keeps you warm and whatnot. I guess that helps in quotes, but I think people have to be very careful and especially Mets fans who were booing and all this stuff to go down the route of what's helping and what's not helping and what's an asterisk and what's is an asterisk and not an asterisk, right? Baseball's full of them. You got to be careful because, you know, I remember back in the day when I was more liberal, I would say, well, what is a performance enhancing drug? That's what I would ask people. I'd say, well, is taking a, a Tums technically enhancing your performance, right? Because it makes you feel better. You know, what, what is my friends, a performance enhancer? I, I, I don't know. But bottom line is this, the umpires came out there. They checked him. They said he was clean. Why they would have any reason in city field to be like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to let him get away with this is absurd to me and just patently false. And on top of that, you look at it and say, it's not spider tech. It's not any of this other stuff. The Mets just couldn't hit last night. They've had yeah. moments like these. And I think that that's that's my big takeaway is that it's it's unfortunate because there's going to be a lot of people who view this. I'm not talking about necessarily you guys or the majority even of Mets fans, but a good portion of people who are going to look at this and say, oh, yeah, that guy who said his ring in Houston wasn't legitimate. Well, <laughs> look at him cheating now. You know, and that's really unfortunate. We don't need any more of that. I'm even sick of the Astros thing. <laughs> Enough. It, it happens. Whatever. Let's move on. They're a great team. Like I, I it, that's that was kind of my perspective on that. Buck is a little goon and a schemer, <laughs> and I, I think that that's unfortunate. But I love, I love that the Padres just said screw it, move yeah. on. They've been doing that all year. All year mm-hmm. they've been saying, you know what? We were the flamboyant kind of crazy team last year. Let's just focus on winning because we upset a lot of people last year. So we're not going to hit anybody, even though the Mets tried to take out Jerickson Profar's spine. I think, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. I'm very confused as to what Pete Alonzo was doing there. And then Trent Grisham getting hit in the shoulders. So if anybody should be upset, it's the Padres faithful, but I think they really are like, as and Bob Melvin deserves credit for this. They're like, all right, we'll worry about that next year. We'll worry about it next year. We're just trying to win right now. If we win a World Series and we really want to, we'll hit everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean, we'll get revenge on everybody. But for now, let's win the game. This is still a good team. And I like that approach that they took. Hey, you talked about this like, oh, screw it mentality. I think we've seen that from the Padres all year. How do you think the suspension of their best player and like the, the immediate reaction from those guys bashing him yeah. affected, you know, this run in the playoffs and how is it going to affect them in the future considering they've adapted this kind of new persona than like the 2020 Slam Diego because Tatis yeah. is coming back next year. So how that, I mean, on paper, it looks like a huge addition, but it seems like it could also upset some of that chemistry you just spoke of. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I think that whew, it's, it's tough. There is so many sides of this to talk about. There is the side of, 
you know, is his Hall of Fame thing out of question already? There's the side of him being immature and the fact that he doesn't want to get shoulder surgery. Then he's getting caught on a motorcycle. Then he's saying in an interview, which one? And then he's doing, getting into a fight with Machado and then he gets this, right? So there's a lot of knucklehead things going on with Fernando Tatis. But I also think based on reports and stuff, he probably feels terrible about it. And he definitely didn't want to get suspended and hurt the team. But also, um, Jack, like you mentioned, you there was a lot of damning comments made. And you don't see that very often. And I think that with this team and with Tatis um, and all the things I just mentioned, his you know, his, his list of incidents for lack of a better term, that there's actually a reason, a justifiable reason for them to be mad at him. Um, unlike say who are about to play Freddie Freeman, who, you know, I don't think this got covered nearly enough, but when they talked about how he didn't get along with Ronald Acuna and vice versa at the beginning, they're cool now, but it was cause, Oh, I, he wears eye black and his hair is long and <laughs> he, you know, has the a covered with glasses the eye black and especially the hair are things that whether or not Freddie Freeman knows it, but a dude who's white and named Freddie probably shouldn't be critiquing <laughs> other people like that. So did not like that. But with the Padres, it's like, no, there's this isn't just we don't like Tatis because he stares at the ball when he hit a home run. This is like, no, you messed up. AJ Preller made these big moves. And I don't know if they still make it. I still think they make their trade for Juan Soto, but it's at least a, a question, right? To be like, well, do they do all these moves if they know that there's no Tatis? It's a fair question. I still think they do, but it's a fair question to be like, I, maybe we should just wait till next year and trade for whatever next superstar becomes available because you just never know with these things. So with Tatis, it is very much like a, like Manny said, look, he hasn't been there all year and they got to keep playing without him. Um, you want to bring in the Bill Simmons Ewing theory, right? You could you could do that. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you could do that. but. Yeah, man. Um, the Tatis thing is easily going to be storyline number one uh, heading into next year for the Padres. Um, aside from their World Series win, that'll be probably the <laughs> second most talked about thing for them. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it because in theory, that trio is uh, very good. Very good. All right. So we have two fun tangential to baseball questions to wrap Ooh. things up. Cool. First one was on August 2nd when the San Diego Padres traded for Juan Soto. <laughs> You were where, doing what, and what was that instant reaction? Oh, my God, we actually just pulled it off. (laughs) Uh, That's a great question, man. Um, I was working. I was doing my work-from-home job, um, designing some cool stuff um, that we don't have to get into. And not going to lie, hopefully my employers and my homies aren't watching this. Uh, I 100% was barely working that day. I was just looking at my phone. And whenever someone needed me, I was like, all right, I'm on it. But in terms of just the other stuff, I took my time and I'm just looking at my phone, getting the passive notifications, getting the the Jeff Sanders, the Kevin AC, the John Heyman, the Ken Rosenthal. Oh, Ken Rosenthal. He's an enemy of Padres fans, too. You got to be careful with that. But I remember that sitting at home. And the worst thing was... My mom, who I, I still I live at home with my, my mom, she's on the phone for like an hour and it's like an important call. And then she just happens to have a call right when this is going down. So I'm about to like lose my mind. Right. <laughs> so then instead I walk outside and do a little, you know, type of thing. <laughs> and then I walk back inside because I didn't want to interrupt anything. But it was just so funny that like, man, you could have picked the worst time to be on the phone right now. I'm losing it. It was it was absolutely nuts. And Padres Twitter 
was losing its mind. Never mind the fact that the Hosmer thing was also a big <laughs> part of that. Losing Eric Hosmer is might even be the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, that was so incredible. And the memes about him not allowing the trade and not consenting to the trade were hilarious. So that's what I remember. Not necessarily the coolest where were you? I know uh, me at home with my mom hanging out, right? It's not necessarily the coolest place to have been, um, but that is that is how the cookie crumbled this time. And it was one of the better days of the year for me. So, yeah. Like, I really hope the Mets one day can pull off one of those trades because I still don't have any of those moments yet. You did. You traded for Francisco Lindor the day the Capitol got invaded or whatever. So that, was, that was so wild. That was an interesting day. That was, I can't believe that on that day, it was like, Mets fans are probably losing their mind. It's like, how is this just happening also yeah. <laughs> like an hour later? It's like, that's supposed to be the biggest story of the day. So that was nuts. So yeah, maybe when um the caps melt, they'll announce that they're cheering for Mike Trout or something like that, right? So keep an yeah. eye out for Steve Cohen. And then the second one we have for you, public enemy number one at City Field on Friday mm. was Max Scherzer, for mm. sure. Public enemy number two at City Field on Friday was put onto the Jumbotron and at first they just showed her face and then uh-huh. they started to pan out and you kind of saw the jacket that she was wearing. And that was Miss mm-hmm. Emma Stone being a huge San Diego Padres fan at City Field front row. So your favorite Emma Stone movie and any other. Did you even know she was a Padres fan before this moment? One to answer that, that, that question right there is with celebrities, it's sometimes hard to tell if it's just like, yeah, they lightly care. And they're like, yeah, let me go support the hometown team. I'm not calling anyone casuals or anything like that i'm not doing that nonsense i don't care mm-hmm. but she was at a padres game last year and i forgot which one it is uh, don't quote me on that one but go look through my tweets there was one where she met don Orsillo or whatever and that was mm-hmm. really cool and it was like oh she might be a pa- she's a padres fan <laughs> but then for her to also be at the wild card game in the city field with the padres jersey that was awesome right like that was <laughs> absolutely phenomenal um in my opinion already Uh, is entering the hierarchy of famous celebrity baseball or just sports fans in general. I mean, you got Spike, you got Nick, Jack Nicholson, right? And now you've got Emma Stone. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? It's just just those three out here. You know what I mean? Um, Favorite Emma Stone movie. It's it's weird because it's not necessarily her best movie. Actually, I don't think it is. Uh, But just my favorite Emma Stone, like performance and whatnot, is still Easy A. Uh, Just the most likable, who is this? type of performance like when you first see her in that movie you're like first of all also i mean not to get crazy on this pot or anything get anyone in trouble but it's absolutely absurd that someone like her in that movie was like someone who barely had any friends i guarantee you any high school on the planet there would be like 78 guys trying to talk to her like any high school i don't care where it is like that's absurd but that would probably be my number one i love zombie land as well i think she's actually underrated in birdman too um, I think, although she doesn't have a major role in it, I think she's very good in that. I don't know, man, like how long you got, you know what I'm saying? But I'm going to say, I'm going to say easy A because it's the, it's a comfort movie. It's easy to rewatch. Love that movie, even if it's flawed in a lot of ways and not necessarily as good as say La La Land or The Favorite or what have you. Well, we will go back and I know there's this account called Old Tweets Exposed, but this is actually an old tweet <laughs> gone right. We'll go back uh. to 2017, April 20th, where you decided to say your favorite actress yes. was Emma Stone. And that's before yes. we knew anything about her being a Padres fan. Yes. Look at that. Thing that's the thing, man. Out. 
that's the thing man and i put that out the other day like i and oh man like it's great it's great like i even i should have mentioned that at the top like she is still one of my favorite actresses i find that actors i'm, I'm a brad pitt guy um usually not a definitely not a niche answer but for me there's like 80 bajillion more interesting actresses out there <laughs> just in terms of just what roles they're picking young actresses you know that we can talk about forever but yeah emma stone's been my favorite for a while it probably started with the amazing spider-man movies just because i am a spider-man nut and when i saw her in that i was like she was good and she is good in that movie um both movies even though she's way too good for the being in those movies um so she's been my favorite for a long time and I can't wait to see what she does next. And just, it was like a full circle moment. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't think of anyone else that I love as like an actor that it, that would have freaked me out the same way because you could have given me anyone, but I love Emma Stone so much. So that was, that was phenomenal. And maybe that's why they lost the Mets. I, I don't know. I don't know. It might be, man. It might be. We have to put an investigation to that. I think apparently Matthew Broderick was there rooting for the Mets, but I think if you had to pick between Emma Stone and Matthew Broderick, I think oh, yeah. I'm going with Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. Love Matthew Broderick. Uh, Election. Awesome. Awesome dark comedy. Go check that out. That movie's wild. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to go with um, <laughs> Emma Stone there for sure. Especially, I, I do wonder like who's more famous between Emma Stone and... Um, you know, any person on either of our two teams. It's probably Emma Stone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So shout out to that. Sounds good. Well, Jack, I don't know if you have anything else to throw in here. We've had a ton of fun laughing, talking Padres and movies and everything in between. Hopefully, I kind of want to see the Dodgers get eliminated. So even though you guys took us out, kind of rooting for the Padres now for the next few weeks or so, because I also don't want to see the Phillies or the Braves make it to the World Series. It's sort of a, I guess, by process of elimination Padres. But should be some fun. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. I don't know if either of you two have anything else to add before we wrap up. No, nah, man. Um, I'm just, sometimes life is all right. You know, sometimes life is all right. At least if you're a Padres fan, every now and then. doesn't happen very often for Padres folk. But uh, yeah, doing, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Is that a bold prediction? Will the Padres make the World Series, yes or no? Um. I'm going to say no, because the idea of they, the, the fact they would have to go through like 300 winning teams, <laughs> like that's pretty unprecedented. I yeah. actually quite literally don't know if that's happened. I know everyone will bring up Atlanta last year and they'll bring up the Nats from 2019 or whatever it was. I know people will bring that up, but the fact that it's 300 win teams potentially, that's just crazy. Like that's, that's like some... <laughs> celestial type of magic that's on your way so i'm going to say no but i won't say whether or not the lucid that i'll leave to the, the listeners to think about i like it well thank you so much for hopping on with us javier we appreciate it all and hopefully you guys enjoyed hearing an inside view of the san diego padres as well as emma stone and as pete alonzo just said if you're listening to this video it's because you just lost to the san diego padres <laughs> all right jack and i'll be right back but thank you so much javier for joining us Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the San Diego Padres, New York Mets, and Harry Styles. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Jack... 
fun episode just now talking with Javier, all things Padres, Emma Stone, Fernando Tatis Jr., and everything in between. Thoughts on what just happened? Yeah, yeah, fun, good for the Padres. I will clarify for all the viewers, you know, you actually can't get Mets tickets on SeatGeek because, you know, their season's over. So I want to make sure you guys all understood that. Thank you. We had to change the ad read. But of course, use the Side Retired promo code SeatGeek, Side Retired Pod in all capitals. But again, a couple of great more interviews coming up in the next couple of days with other guys previewing the NLDS, ALDS, and a lot of other things in between that, as well as a fun Mets guest for Dylan, James, and Jack. Thank you so much to Javier for joining us. And until the next time, the side is retired.